no driving gloves. We're a combination of gearheads. John, the instigator. Derek, the conserver. Will, the builder. Sean, the racer. And maybe a guest. Invite you to listen while they sit down, have a drink, and discuss cars. Learn more and subscribe to the podcast at No Driving Gloves. Time now for the ride. Can everybody out there hear us? I can hear you. I can hear you just fine. Uh, I just messed up trying to post, uh, you know, share our post on my own page, but whatever. We're good. At least you're trying to share it, get the word out. Four years in. All all my Facebook friends uh, can't post it. I screwed up. So just join us now. And good evening, Mr. Hill. Hope everything's been good for you also. I think we've all had busy weeks. Nah. Slow as can be. Hey, it's working now. Awesome. And dang Will bringing home, you know, you keep going out west, Will, and you keep coming home with a heavier trailer. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, you know, 14 years of hard work. And uh, I I, I know that may be kind of a uh, smart ass thing to say, but you know, it, it has. It's been really longer than 14 years. I mean, since I graduated from McPherson. I want to say since at least before you started, I was going to correct you and say it's been at least 24 years. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was just one of those things that it's been a dream to win a terrific 12 from good guys for a long, long time. I've been a part of a lot of cars that have done it. But this is the first one that's come out of Big Oak Garage's camp. And uh, I was telling uh, Dan Duffy that owns the car on the flight home that it was, uh, you know, it was a huge joint effort. And at the end of the day, he was the he was the leader of the team to build that car. I mean, he picked Big Oak Garage. Um, and then once that happened, we we made all of the big decisions together of where it went to interior and who done the machine work and what color to paint it, you know, who cut the wheels. So it was, uh, you know, really a huge effort on everybody's part with really Duffy being the, the ring leader to get that car built. I know Big Oak gets a lot of recognition for that, but if it wasn't for Dan Duffy commissioning us to build that car, it, you know, it would have never happened. And if it wasn't for, you know, Big Oak going out and pushing, you know, and going to car shows when we really didn't have the money to go to, to Columbus to spend, you know, four days in Columbus, Ohio in the, in the early days, then I probably never would have met Dan. So it's it's kind of crazy how all that stuff comes together. And it was people from coast to coast that had their hands in that Impala to, to make it do what it's done in the last four months. Yeah. We've kind of seen that out of even for the last couple of cars. All you do is go out and win awards and win awards. And, you know, uh, what, what's the old saying, I guess you're an overnight success and it only took you 20, what we determined 24 years to get there. There you go. Yeah. You know, it, it's, uh, it's kind of wild how, how that works. And, you know, unfortunately, there's guys out there that's been doing this a lot longer than I have and never have had the opportunity to build a car like that. And 
you know, the, the Impala is up there with the dark. Um, you know, when you start looking at the two most complicated builds to ever come out of the shop, you know, it's those two cars. And actually we've got, we've got a couple of more in the shop that are, are like those, those caliber of builds. I can't uh, wait to see what shades of green those come out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Tell me about it. Right. I can tell you one of them will not be green. The other one, green is in the conversation. So. <laughs> um, but I mean, really, if you think about it, the name of the shop is Big Oak Garage. So really, you should only be painting cars either brown, green, yellow, or red. The colors of an oak tree, right? I mean, that's doesn't matter what shade of those colors, but it would have to be in those families, right? Well, I will tell you the next one coming out will be, uh, we'll have some brown on it. Uh, never, we've never done brown before on the exterior of a car. So, uh, I can't uh, wait to see how you spray wood grain. You know, we've already on done a seventy-two pino. <laughs> we've already done that in the forty-two truck. <laughs> so, but yeah, it was uh, quite a ride that the uh, the last. Well, really, since SEMA, I mean, we debuted the Cadillac in SEMA. Um, we leave there, go to Pleasanton and COVID had killed the show we were at last weekend, last year. So they moved it to the end of the year. So we show up with the Cadillac and get a top five for custom of the year. And then it, you know, it goes on and, and does really well. And then we debut the Cadillac or the, the Impala at Grand National in February and then it just, I mean, that thing's just taken off. So it's been, uh, it's been a fun ride the last, uh, you know, since really October of last year, it's, uh, it's really kind of exploded and, and not forgetting about a Trans Am that we built too. Uh, we helped Sean Black finish, finish the 76 Trans Am, a restoration on a Trans Am. Uh, and that car, done really really well the shows that it's been to so i don't know well hey i think i think will just you know summed up the or or he's he's completed the task of our our title of the show tonight we will get there yeah will got there he's there he's done he's (laughs) yeah i was just realizing that i put will's name in the title without meaning to put will's name in the title (laughs) <laughs> there you go. It's all about this show is all about Will I, anymore. You know, it always has it, been. When I first read it, it was I almost read it as Will Will get there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Actually, he yeah, he also accomplished getting here to the show tonight. So there we go. Uh, well, it sounds like you flew back as opposed to uh drove the old truck and trailer back. So uh yeah, so mom and Sorry. Um, Phone's ringing, dude. Yeah, I thought I had it on silent. That's his fans. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so mom and dad actually drove it out there, and, and they're bringing it back. So I just, I mean, I was gone so much from, you know, end of October, 1st of November last year, and then February. I just, I mean, I can't, I can't. I can't be going like that again in any time in the near future. So, 
Speaking of, speaking, of the, speaking of the Cadillac, Don and Brenda have joined in and said, hey. All right. Me. What's up? So, and I, I know Brandy's uh, looking forward to her, her uh, Big Oak project up there for a debut. So, Oh, yeah. We're going to get on that pretty soon. So, <laughs> so. That's going to win an award right there. If I can find a place to put it in for an award, I will. Trust me. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we can figure out something there. Oh. Uh, so I just kind of left the topics. We've covered so much in the last couple of weeks uh, from good, you know, think good things we have on our cars to things we miss on our cars. And it was really odd. What was I listening to? Who was I listening to? And But it, vent windows. Vent windows came up as... Um, one of the biggest things missing from a car, and damn it, and it was somebody. Oh, were you listening to it? Or I saw. I think it was within the last week. I saw Haggerty um, had an article up, and and a big part of it was about vent windows. No, th- I th- I saw that, but there was um, Law and Order. The guy that was on Law and Order that also was the father on. Dirty Dancing, uh, what's his name? Um, Sam Sam Water, J- Jerry. Um, I thought I thought it was Sam Waters. You're in a Law and Order. Do you know? No. Oh, well, I can't remember. That was the guy because whoever was talking about it, I want to say it may have was it Johnny Lieberman or was it um what, the guy Matt, Matt Farah? I can't remember. They were interviewing. Oh. And Jerry Orbach. That's it. And he 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 used to be a big smoker, etc. And um somehow he said that was the one thing he wishes they never every car should by law. And he even wrote a letter to Congress and the president saying that we need to mandate vent windows. <laughs> so he I, I kind of felt good that we, we were on that uh a week or two ahead. So I really wish I was. I swear, I swear people are listening to our show and stealing the topics because I feel like that happens all the time. We're like two weeks ahead of something coming out big in the news. Two weeks ahead or, you know, that's kind of one reason we changed the release date instead of recording on a Wednesday and, you know, coming out on a Monday. We went to going live and within the next two weeks, the Wednesday shows will be out on Friday audio and. You know that way. That way, we can't be scooped over the weekend by everybody else. I just keep getting tired of that. It seems everybody records on Thursday or over the weekend, and by the time we drop, everybody else has already talked about it. You know. Well, it's it's a lot like the the the. I mean, it's just the industry. It's uh, we we painted the forty two truck blue and with gold wheels, and uh, you know that that was the whole theme at SEMA that year. I guarantee you there were 10 cars that were blue with gold wheels um, and green this year. I mean, holy cow at the green cars that have came out in the last year. Uh, I mean, there were, 
there were three or four green cars at SEMA this year that were stunners. Um, I know Creative Rod and Customs, little Model A's of dark green, uh, BBT Fabs, Firebird was green, Impala's green. I mean, green is the color this year. And we don't talk about all of that. It just, it's like all of a sudden, you know, there's a wave of blue and then there's a wave of green. And there's a wave of white. It's just all different shades and tones and stuff, and different pearls and metallics. And some of them don't have any pearls and metallics, but it's just kind of weird how uh, like creative minds just all kind of think alike, I guess. I don't know. It's weird. You're right that it, all of that just occurs and it all, it, the, everything seems to happen or are hit at the same time. Um, I had an example of that also, but it, it slipped my mind. I well, you say, have to remember. I'll say hi to Sean out there. Not only do I have power, I don't even have rain. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, <laughs> good for you, John. But I think, you know, Will, it, it's interesting because if you look back over history, you know, it, it seems like there's these waves of things that, you know, nobody knows. But when you really get to it, the creative minds of the world are always influenced by kind of what's going on throughout the creative community. So even if it's it's not car specific, but maybe it's, you know, the art movement or the fashion movement of the time and the creative minds see what's going on in one area, it 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 inspires them in a different way. Um, you know, you think of like the art deco movement and then all of a sudden cars are being styled in the art deco style. So right. I think it, I think it tends to lean too towards the creative minds, you know, seeing a wave of things going on in the greater creative community and drawing that into their area of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, look at, you know, you look at, a uh, a 32 Ford, you know, all of those cars and then a 33 Chevrolet looks you know, they're, they all, it's kind of weird. You know, they were all working on the designs before, you know, it's not like Ford came out with the 32 Ford and everybody's like, Oh, I want my car to look like a 32 Ford. They were all working on them at the same time. I mean, they just all, all really resemble each other a lot. It's kind of crazy. What I find about funny, I guess about your green, is you know when it comes to everyday cars cars sold through car dealerships and that right now green is the worst color green is the hardest color to sell green actually has a lower trade-in value that's why now with nada and that you check what color your cars are because that that actually influences and green the last statistic i read green will sit on a lot you know pre-chip shortage 15 or 20 days longer than any other color. Yep. I've kind of, and I found that odd and there's been green cars in my past. So yeah, <laughs> green, kind of well, I mean, green and green and brown right now are not real hot colors, mm-hmm. but yeah, but earth tones, those earth tones are, are, I mean, regardless if you like it or not, they're coming back and pastels are going to be coming back too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I hope I'm never painting things, you know, robbing egg turquoise. And, oh, you will be. You know? <laughs> yeah. 
Robin's, Robin's egg blue. Cadillac? Robin's egg blue. I've got my uh, non-metallic. I've got my sour pink Cadillacs here. That's that's what we need. There we go. Thanks, thanks, Jason. Actually, yeah, Robin's egg blue exterior. You know, no non-metallic. Maybe like a semi-gloss. You don't want it too too bright. And then you need exactly that. You need that pink Cadillac interior in it. Yep. Just pastel pink interior, blue exterior. There you go. Well, that's your next project. You know, the 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 mini truck crowd is really kind of really supporting that wholeheartedly right now. They're bringing back all of those all those colors and paint. Well, jobs. we could those we are, can turn to our resident mini truck expert. Yeah. Well, there's actually a guy in Gadsden, um, Big Sean. His he painted his truck like that several years ago. Um, really before it started kind of coming back. So he's kind of a big Sean's little head, head of the curve of bringing it back. It, they might be coming back because of big Sean. No, no, no. Hey, Sean Yoder. No, no, no. Not Laguna Seca blue. Elkhart no, 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 Lake no, blue. No. That'd be better. Elkhart Lake blue. That's a good color. Sean, Sean no, I'm, I'm, I'm commenting on Sean's comment over here. Sean Yoda's comment. Uh, he also commented that beige is the new black, which it's kind of true. Mm-hmm. And I remember a couple of years ago, whatever, 986, 987, whatever the Boxster came in was after the 987, I got all the numbers screwed up from there. Uh, they had a real cool, like a chocolate brown and never wanted a chocolate brown Porsche before, but I want, I want a chocolate brown Porsche. <laughs> I like some of the like root beery brown, maybe almost tipping towards Dr. Pepper brownish red colors that are out right now. I think they got a good look on the right lines, right? They got to be on the car with the right body lines, but they got, they, they look pretty good. I'm, then of course, a few years a back. Question, and I, I know they had some, a lot of debuts at SEMA. This one's for you, Will. Um, is there a, uh, EV division at these shows, or um, should do you think they should start introducing an EV? Are, are, are EVs showing up at the shows? I mean, SEMA, there's a ton of EV stuff, um, but there wasn't its own, you know, haul yet. Uh, it probably will this year. Um, it'll be a haul I probably avoid, but um, I mean, it. Yeah, I mean, there was a Tesla that showed up at Good Guys Texas, ran the autocross, and murdered everybody on All American Sunday. Um, I mean, it won it won the whole the whole kit and caboodle on Sunday, um, and was not far off from beating uh, the fastest Pro X time on Saturday. And Pro X cars. Um, Oh, what's their names? Um, the Lessingers, uh, they show up and they're extremely hard to beat. I mean, they've got full purpose built, lightweight tube chassis, fiberglass body autocross cars. I mean, these are full fledged race cars. And this fully equipped, you know, Tesla comes out and dang near runs the same times as them. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was only like a couple of tenths off. With its Knight Rider steering wheel and all the other fun things about it. Oh, yeah. It was was playing ice cream truck music as he was out there racing. (laughs) It was pretty. 
It was pretty funny, to be honest with you. And as he crosses the finish line, you get a. Oh. <laughs> 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 I can't believe Musk was told he had to eliminate the the. Uh, I guess it's called raspberry on my soundboard sound. <laughs> why the uh, cars are in motion? Uh, guys having fun. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. It's what it's all about, right? Just having fun. Okay. Don't care how you do it. You know, Lotus dumped their new SUV, first hyper-electric SUV yesterday, and was talking to somebody. Actually, I was talking to my my aunt today about electric cars, which really seemed odd. She, she, actually, she texted me about the Lotus SUV and asked me some questions, and we got into a whole conversation on electric uh, SUVs, but where? Oh, I was thought we were going more into the conversation with your aunt on electric SUVs. You just kind of left it hanging there. Well, I'm trying not to, I'm really trying to not make us an electric electric car show, but I'm looking at my notes here and I've got uh, the Lotus um, email. I've got the uh, electric vehicle report. Um, yeah, just I will, I will say this I've seen a, I've seen a Rivian truck uh, in, yeah, in Pleasanton last weekend and it was it was pretty cool did you I, see, I, did I, you see I, the I, I, dra- I, excuse me but man it was uh, it was one of the guys that works for Rivian and uh, it was it was pretty cool. Did you see the drag race that came out about Rivian this week where it was a Rivian with a trailer and a truck on the trailer? And I think it was racing a Chevy pickup, straight Chevy pickup, and smoked it. <laughs> oh, I mean, I believe it. Wow. <laughs> now, I it never said if the Rivian could drive back to the start line or if the batteries were dead. I mean, it's hey, like, hey, whoa, whoa. that's not the point of a drag race. Point A to point B, fastest time, boom, done. Exactly. No. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Yoder's so, saying he wishes he had yeah. one of the new lightnings to hook up to his house. <laughs> Uh, power the house general, the general motors what what i can't remember what the general motors electric truck's going to be called but it it also has that feature the silver silverado e right silverado e i think it's the silver <laughs> is it or now i'm trying to remember i can't remember That's i don't know order. i'll go back and watch it because meadow soprano's in the ad <laughs> there you go. but yeah I guess you know electrics, right? Oh, silver, Silverado EV. Oh, very creative, General Motors. Yeah. Oh wait, See, I thought it was just the sorry. We, we'll wait till next week before we say that kind of stuff. Oh, oh, ow, ow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, I mean, that's that's something I was going to talk about tonight a little bit, and and yeah, will. If it, you know, I can try to drag us off this electric vehicle kick if you want. Um, but even what Will was talking about in the beginning with, you know, each new job and, and how each one is more complicated and, you know, he's gotten these couple that have gone through the shop, there's a couple more. And yeah, I got to, I got to thinking about, you know, that and 
somebody was, I don't remember who it was. Somebody, somebody was talking to me about this move to the lane museum here in, in two weeks. And, uh, you know, I've been obviously as a, a curator and someone who is, you know, interested in the, the history of the cars, things like that. I think that's one of the fun things or, or interesting things about, you know, no matter what the job changes for, what reason, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, you want to move up in your career or you want to take a step back for a minute to raise family, so on and so forth. But each move along the way, it broadens my uh, knowledge of automotive history. I learn new things everywhere I go. I don't know everything about automotive history and I'm already researching a bunch of the cars in the collection at the lane on you know, in my downtime, whatever that is. And, you know, already learning things I didn't know about some of these cars and some connections to different people and different uh, companies. And that's one of the cool things. And it, it kind of sparked into me again when Will was talking, because, you know, every time Will talks about a new project in the shop, you know, there's some new technique they're using or some different, you know, um, something different they're trying to do with the car to make it, you know, edge out the other cars in the competitions and things like that. Um, so that was something I want to talk about. I just, you know, how we continue to learn about the automotive industry, no matter what part of it we're in, whether it's the history or, uh, fabricating and, and, you know, different techniques and things like that. Well, or it's, not. it's, <laughs> it's, it's really more, um, it's really just more design cues that, you know, and construction cues of doing something a little different than somebody else. I mean, we've been doing hidden fasteners under hood forever and, but how's the way to do it to make it look even more simple uh, and more you know, the more simple you make it, the more complicated it is to fabricate. So or the, the more simple it looks, the more complex it is to fabricate. And I mean, that's just, uh, it's just evolution. I mean, and you pick up ideas when you go to SEMA, it may not be off of, it may be off of a new car. It may be off of a, a competitor's car. You may take something that somebody done to a 32 Ford and incorporate it on a 69 Camaro. It may just be the way something bolts together or even, even styling cues. And a lot of it, I'm just, you know, a lot of it, I just get sick of seeing and I just want to do something different, you know, panels under hood that are every inch is bead roll. I'm sick of seeing it. I mean, there's, there's really nothing under the hood of that Impala that's bead roll. Yeah, there's some there's some steps and stuff, but there's not a bead rolled panel underneath the hood of that car. There's some factory looking stampings that that we do. I mean, we still use our bead roller a good bit, but we really don't do it to uh, bead roll stuff that you're going to see. It's more to strengthen a, a bracket or a brace or even floor pans. So you use it for structural ability, not styling ability. Yeah, now I do. I mean, 10 years ago, it was bead roll everything and bolted underneath the hood and make it look cool. 
Uh, and you know, there's, there's still a lot of shops out there that are doing that and that's fine. It's just, I'm, I'm kind of tired of seeing, um, you know, satin, everything under the hood, satin paint. I think that's kind of run its course. Well, we had a show about that four years ago, and I'm kind of, I'm so tired of matte black. Um, So tired of matte black. And yeah, I mean, we still use satin colors. There's, there is some satin stuff on the Impala, but the only thing that is satin is sat everything that color is satin. You know, it's not like we painted the outside of the car green and then brought that green under hood and just painted satin. Um, that's still being done a lot. I'm not mad at it. Yeah, you know, it's just, um, and you know, I, I'm still going to continue to do some of that, but not on a car like that in power. You know, to me, if everything, if everything that's white is gloss white, then it all needs to be gloss white. If it's gloss green, it needs to be gloss green. Um, so, I mean, it's just a lot of things that you just kind of get tired of seeing and you're like, man, what can I do different? And then it's, you know, underhood of the Nomad that I posted a picture of last week. Um, the inner fenders are kind of similar to the Impala, but they're different. Um, I'm not a big fan of that whole bathtub look underneath the hood of a car that's been popular for a long time. Uh, you know, so that, I mean, it's really just things that you either, number one, you get tired of seeing or number two, you've done a couple of times and, and you try to visualize something else to separate you from everybody else. Um, the, the Impala was a totally different deal. I mean, we, we cut the shit out of a 61 Impala bubble top. Not many people's done that. Uh, so it was either going to be really, really good or it was going to be really, really bad. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's been, it's been accepted really well. And something that, you know, I kind of pushed myself out of my boundaries with, uh, with Ricky built by Ricky done the interior on the Cadillac. I've never been a big monochromatic, guy i've always liked contrast and um you know very very few big oak garage built vehicles have a real similar color to the interior as the main color is the body and if you look at the cadillac everything in that car is red you know the the underhood has the has the rose gold that matches the wheels everything else on that car is red even the interior is, is a really close shade of the exterior. And, um, you know, that's something that I've never done and it hadn't been done a, a whole lot in, in the, in the last several years. And so I think that's something else, you know, it's, you got to push yourself out of your boundaries a little bit to still be creative. If not, you'll get stuck in the rut and you'll build the same car over and over. It may be a different, you know, it may be a 32 Ford or a 69 Camaro, but it's all, you know, painted real close to the same color with the same stance, same style wheels and same type interior. And so you got to, you know, you got to push yourself out of your boundaries and what you're comfortable with to, to still be creative and, 
and even trust other people's opinion. I mean, uh, like the interior on the Cadillac, that was, uh, that was really what Ricky came up with to do. And at first I was like, yeah, you know, that would look pretty good. And Don and Brenda that on the Cadillac, they, they really liked it. And I was like, well, let's go with, it. you know, it's, it's definitely not going to hurt it. Um, and I, I could not picture another interior color in that car uh, than the color that's in it. I mean, it, it, it looks like what should be in a Cadillac. Um, I, don't, I don't think it would work in a Camaro, but it works perfectly in that Cadillac. So I think that – I know that's a super long answer to your, to your question – the techniques that we use to fab a panel, I mean, they're the same techniques that were used in, in the, in the thirties and the forties, you know, building airplanes and building cars and repairing cars uh, and stuff like that. Bodywork technique. It's, you know, it's still the same. It's still put material on and send material off till it gets straight, whether it's Bondo or primer or, uh, clear coat after you after you've painted it, you know all that stuff's the same. Now, granted, there are companies that come up with products every day to make that job easier and more efficient, and we're all about it. You know, um, there were there were some shops that I would worked in, and the guys were setting their ways, and they wanted to use this product no matter what. You know, if, if something new come out, they didn't want to hear. It. You know, this works good. This worked good for 20 years. We're going to continue to use it. Okay, that's fine. You know, I'm not mad at it. Um, but I'm the opposite of that. If, if, they've, if they've come up with a product that makes our job easier, hey, I'm, I'm all for it. If, if we can save, you know, 15 hours wet sand and buffing a car, and I've got 15 hours left on the build, that's 15 hours I can do something cool. That's how I look at it. Sean had a nice comment right after Derek's question 45 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Um, wasn't, it wasn't really a question. It was a primer to get a conversation started. That, and Will that, just had um, the whole conversation. The, the, the nice thing about this hobby is that no matter what you do, you can always learn. There's always something about it. And then every, I think – the listeners know I took a step back a few years ago from the automotive hobby and really totally got out of it with the exception of the podcast, but I've still stayed in tune. And I mean, I'm now, you know, doing computer stuff and doing the podcasting gig and things like that. But, you know, my email's still filled with the news that's going on. My, you know, phone and my, the podcasts I listen to are still heavily automotive related it's almost uh probably 40 maybe 45 45 10 from uh cars to podcasting to cigars that's kind of what i listen to every now and then i'll slip in an audiobook but there's just everything in life still revolves around uh the automobile uh we're even I'm watching the show Super Pumped, and even the car slips in there, the, the Google car. You know, this is something about the founding of Uber, which I guess is cars also. But 
you know, the pod cars we keep talking about. And I keep saying Bob Lutz talks about them because I don't want to be the guy that spreads the word that we're starting pod cars. But like I said, there's, I probably get five, six press releases a day on things going on in the automotive world to listening to whether it be Adam Carolla or Spike Ferrison or I heard a great Jerry Seinfeld talking about 914s the other day. And a guy who can afford any damn portion in the world was talking really, really high <laughs> about the 914 and how it could possibly be one of the best Porsches. <laughs> Wait a second. But so, yeah, I mean, it's it's a great hobby. There's always ways to stay learning, even just watching the cars go down the road next, you know, next to you and seeing the changes of styling and the, um, say the idiots on the road, you know, how, how they try to restyle your vehicles. But yeah, I mean, this is a hobby that, no matter what you're into, everybody has something to do with it. Even the most non-car people, I still think that they, there's a reason they choose the car they do. You know, just because somebody goes out and buys an Accord, well, that might be they bought it because it, you know, somebody recommended it, but they talked about cars or they like the styling of it. But there's always some sort of knowledge that goes into everything. I, I don't know anybody who picks up the phone and will say the yellow pages or will say Google's new cars. And then the first thing that pops up calls that dealership and says, hey, I'm spending $50,000. Can you have a car ready for me? I don't care what it is. You know, I don't know anybody who does it. I imagine there's probably one person who's done that. But... um. Say even, even Steve Jobs, you know, he didn't care what he drove. I mean, the guy wore black, black pants, black shirt, so he'd have to make a decision what to wear every day. It was one fewer decision or one fewer thoughts process that he had to have in the day. But he always drove a Mercedes SL. At some point, he took the time to decide it's going to be a Mercedes SL. And then it got to the point every six months he got a new one, but that was more a license plate scam than getting a new car. Um, so how do you do it, Derek? How do I do which thing? License plate scams? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I just think it's, I don't know why I get to thinking about these things, but you know, when I moved from Henry Ford museum, and and knowing the the history of the vehicles there um you know to the crawford it was an all-new experience yeah it's still antique and classic cars but now it's focused on northeast ohio primarily and and the cars that were built there and and all the you know little known cars that were built and produced but then some of the connections to detroit you know um you know just thinking of like Lozier, um, one of the probably greatest early American automobiles built. Of course, Frederick Chandler worked for them. And then when Lozier started to go downhill, he went back to Cleveland and started the Chandler Company and basically ripped off the styling and some of the uh, mechanicals of the Lozier. You know, little things like that. And then Corvette Museum, of course, coming into that and already having some knowledge about Corvette just from growing up with a dad that, you know, worked on them and restores them 
but then getting into the unique little back histories and um, <laughs> I think as everybody knew that, well, the other two hosts on this podcast know, and a lot of our listeners know, yeah, you know, I took a lot of flack early on in, in the days of the Corvette Museum because I'm one of those people that'll go out and find those little unique stories within and, and try to bring those out and, you know, might talk about something kind of unpopular in, in one of the, you know, worlds that I'm working in, in this case, the Corvette world, you know, talk about the fact that the Ford Thunderbird in, in 55 saved Corvette from, you know, being cut from GM's production. Um, or, you know, making all the little connections of, I mean, you look at somebody like Larry Shinoda, uh, famous for designing, you know, tweaking the design that would become the split window Corvette in 1963. And then talk about the fact that he went over to Ford and, you know, did things with the Mustang and, um, you know, all that he did for Ford Motor Company that doesn't become popular, but, it's all those little stories that connect automotive history throughout. And I noticed Jason asked, um, you know, what was something I've already learned about the cars at the lane? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm already doing some, but there's, there's cars there that they don't know any history on because they're, you know, one-off cars that were built by somebody in their, you know, in their barn in France, in the countryside of France. And, they've acquired it and, and they don't fully know the history of it. So that's, that's going to be part of my job is going in there and figuring these things out. But one of the coolest things was, I think everybody probably is familiar with the traction Avant. Um, you guys both remember the, the traction Avant from France, right? Yeah. Roughly. And, uh, you know, of course, you know, the history of it, a very important car, um, you know, mass produced, really important in Europe and affordable. And it also happened to be one of the early unitized bodies, you know, unitized chassis body car. Um, what I never realized because I never read the history of Traction Avant is that was designed in America by Bud here in the U.S., um, who, of course, has a rich history with automotive uh, industry going back to building some of the first steel structured cars in the U S and, you know, doing a lot with unitized bodies, uh, here in the U S as well, but they also had their hands in, you know, the French automotive industry, engineering the traction Avant um, unitized bodies. So it's all those little things that I just find extremely interesting when you start diving in and, and can learn more and more about. I'll take Jason's question kind of to the uh, uh, the next level because I know how you work. Will knows how you work. Um, I don't. Yeah, yeah. If Christine only had that knowledge, but to, uh, what you you've already researched some things at the lane. You did that before the interview because you you prep for interviews and you you know what you're getting into. What is the most surprising thing you've learned in the you know, weeks or months leading up to your job change and dealing with the lane? What's the most ex exciting thing you've learned or what's the most surprising, whether it be a fact of a portion of the museum or a tidbit of knowledge about one of their artifacts? Uh, 
there are 540 automobiles in the collection. Add to that about 12 aircraft, uh, hundreds of bicycles, probably about 100 motorcycles, numerous boats. Um, I don't really know that there's an answer to that yet, John. <laughs> so, so, well, now, now my question is, when you say aircraft, does that also carry over to cars? Because he has those aero cars. And when you say boats, do the amphibious vehicles carry over? So are they being counted as one boat Crossover. and one car? Or? <laughs> Crossover. <laughs> <laughs> Crossovers. Uh, no, I mean, there's just, there's so much that's, I mean, just, it is such an eclectic and diverse collection of vehicles. And you have to say vehicles because, it's I, I I I don't think there's a carriage in the collection. I, I could be very wrong. It might be hidden somewhere in the building. I, I don't know. Um, but you know, they are vehicles of all types. And he has them in in every you know condition as well. I mean, there's there is a 1930 French um tricycle there, a pedal, you know, tricycle, bicycle, tricycle. Um, that has a complete clamshell body that folds in on. So you're, you're in an enclosed vehicle, but it's of course, pedal powered tricycle, completely original, untouched, beautiful condition made by a French piano maker of all things. Wow. And then he has cars that are, you know, beautifully restored. He's built a replica of the first Dimaxian car. Of course, only one of the three still exist. Um, and, you know, it's it's almost an exact replica, as close as he could possibly get it. And when it was done, what did he do? He got in it and drove it to Amelia Island for the Concorde. He didn't trailer it down. He didn't put it on a reliable truck. He got in it and drove it all the way to Amelia Island from Nashville, Tennessee. I was on the phone the other day talking to uh, Jeffrey Hacker from Undiscovered Classics, also a subject Jeff's of an inter awesome. yeah, uh, interview, uh, episode 87. Gee, and I'm going, geez, that's a long time ago. We probably should get Jeff back on here. But I was chat ch chatting with him about a couple of, of things, and somehow we got on the subject of the lane, and I'm, you know, mentioned your your um move and he was talking about how great it is and how great jeff is and you know jeffrey has some of the rarest of the rare cars i mean one of ones and one of nuns actually <laughs> at some points but he he's he he's one of the most eclectic guys i know but you know he was really talking about Jeff and Jeff's passion and, you know, how Jeff cares. And it's just, the, I guess we're I'm talking nice about the Lane Museum now too. But it just seemed to be a really interesting thing. And again, small world, eclectic car people and covering covering stuff like that. I don't know if I was going anywhere with that other than to plug Jeffrey yeah. in wow. episode 87. Can we, change, can we change subjects just for a little bit? No, we can't talk about your dogs. Oh come on, man! I got to put up. Can we go get him? <laughs> Did y'all? What do you want, Will? Um, Dan Parker. I know you probably know that name. The the blind guy that's uh, trying to set the speed record, fastest blind dude. He's doing it. I, oh, 
He's doing I mean, it. I, yeah, I've read about that. Yeah, yeah, he's doing it this week in a, in a Corvette. So, and I didn't realize it till the other day that a good friend of mine, Jeff Pope, is there helping him do that. So, I think he run 176 mile an hour today. Nice. So, I thought he's wanting to run 201. So, you got to work your way up slowly to that. Right. Mm-hmm. Might, be, might be cool to try to get uh, Jeff on the on the podcast to uh, talk about their adventures. Of, I'm not sure exactly where they're at. Um, but, yeah, they run, run 176 mile an hour during testing and tuning. And this was less than half the actual distance that they'll be going uh, tomorrow. So, yeah. Nice. Well, you know what I say to you every time you throw out a name? We're here every Wednesday. <laughs> Get them on the show. <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty what, good. Uh, what, what? Not following through, right? <laughs> I've Same got here. a whole bunch of post-its here. I've got something about a windshield lady. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What uh do we know what Corvette he's using? What what year? Uh, the fast one. So not a nineteen fifty three. Gotcha. Uh, no. It looks like a C six. Okay. That'd be a C six. Yeah, a C six. Yep. So yeah, it's uh, it's been pretty cool to watch their progress over the last the last week. Um, you can follow them on Facebook. It's uh, Tragedy Detroit Racing is the is the Facebook page. And um, anyway, yeah, it's been pretty cool to 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 watch them watch their progress. So hopefully he can get the record tomorrow. Sounds like he wants that to is. Be- that is really cool. It's and actually, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to make sure our folks at the, you know, my team at the Corvette Museum is aware of that, you know, prior to my departure, um, because you know, right now we've got the Aero Electronics um, C7 on display, which was built for Sam Schmidt, so he can, you know, as paraplegic or quadriplegic, he can actually still race. Um, and that's, that's an incredible car. And, and of course he's got the C8 now all set up and I watched him autocross that C8 and man, that is, he is extremely talented, um, driving that car. Well, Will, uh, we've got a couple commenters. I think you need to set that interview up and I think Derek just answered Jason's question. Uh Oh, what's Jason? Uh, yep there you go yeah yep it was for sam schmidt yeah and i think we talked about it on the show but i got a chance to drive the c7 around the msp road course um with all of the you know equipment i wasn't holding the steering wheel i wasn't pushing the pedals i was using the sip puff tube um using the glasses that pick up the camera um to steer it and everything and it's it's a lot to learn. It's a lot to learn. But, I, can, I, can uh, I, had, I had it. I had it after a couple laps. I uh, down the front straight. I actually got it up just over seventy mile an hour. So, 
Um, that was pretty cool for only being in it for, you know, 10, 15 minutes. Um, that was, that was pretty cool to be able to do that, not pushing pedals, not holding the steering wheel and, and get it to, you know, highway speed. That was, it was, it was interesting. What's, what's his top speed in it? Do you know? Sam's? Yeah. I don't, but I'm sure it is well over what I was doing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Well, did we live up to the title when we finally get there, or are we looking for that next week? You'll never get there, I I don't think we're ever going to get anywhere. No. I don't even think we rotated the conversation around in a circle tonight. (laughs) We're off our game. I can right now. Uh, Jason asked, "Is there anything uh, we didn't do the Impala because of time restraints? We can bring we can bring it back to the Impala because that's where it started." Yeah, they didn't finish it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You 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 know you got all that extra time because of COVID to work on it. Is there anything that you left on the table? Um, there were some things early on that we decided wasn't necessarily a make it or break it. Uh, we were going to do some vents in the, in the fenders that, that kind of worked as brake cooling ducts and another styling cue. We were going to do something different with the door handles. Uh, one, of the, one of the big things that, that we didn't get done because of time restraints and the guy doing the, the machine work kind of flaked out on us was uh, the the interior door handles. I wanted to do something really, really trick there. We wound up just putting stock interior door handles on it. So yeah, there, there, there were actually a few things that we wanted to do that we either run out of time on or somebody said they would do them and just didn't get it done. You know, I mean, there's always there's always something that you just you got to decide. You go, okay, is this gonna is this gonna make or break the build? And if the answer is no, then you move on. If the answer is yes, then you move forward and and just do what you got to do to make it happen. And one of those things that it was like, no, nah, we're not going to do it. 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 And then. It once we put the pieces of chrome in between the deck lid and the back glass, that factory piece that kind of flows around, it's I think it's 61 impala only. We decided that we 100% wanted to do that to the hood, so we had those machine and pocketed the hood a little bit farther and, and put those pieces in there. And that's unfortunately, when you're showing it, most of the time the hood's up, so a lot of people don't see it. Uh, but to me, that was one of those things that we did spend a little extra time on that, uh, you know, we decided to do instead of not to do. So to answer your question, yes, there was some things that we didn't do. And there we go. We brought it full circle for you, John. <laughs> hey, we have our pattern. We'll get there somehow. See, see that uh, this is some interchange somewhere in Texas. The photo of that's behind me, or on the cover art. If you're listening to the audio show, and 
don't look at it too hard on your Apple CarPlay. But um, I think I'm going to go go to sleep. I've had a long, long couple of days, and I don't know if that's my thunder or your thunder or your thunder, but somebody's got some pretty good thunder going on. So just don't steal the thunder. It, it quite hadn't quite hit here yet, but it's really, really close. Yeah. So we might as well shut it down for the power goes out, right? Yeah, exactly. Nah, power, power's not going to go out. I'm positive. <laughs> That's. I guess there's three different ways to take that, but. Well, I'm, uh, John, you got you got like three tornado warnings just to the south of you, so hmm, we'll see how that goes. Now you're going to make me turn on the news or my phone or something. You know, right now my iPad's got the. You're welcome. Yeah. I'm out of here tonight, guys. Join us next week. NoDrivingGloves.com for all your information. Look us up. Uh, give us a like on Facebook and uh, tell a friend about us. Right. Now. Our, our evil car builder and his cat. <laughs> it's, it's my new Hemi. Look, he's got six toes. Oh, <laughs> one of those cats. Gotcha. Yep. Yep. And no tail. It's because it grew as an extra toe. (laughs) (laughs) Later. Adios. See you guys.